Hello, everyone. You have tuned into another episode of our Social Causes Fridays. I'm your host, That Girl, Jenna Kirasoa. At any point in time you're consuming this content, I can genuinely only hope you're doing well. And as always, I want to thank you for spending your valuable time with us today. So really quick, um, I'm going through a quick overview of Chapter 3, Puzzlement of Distribution from the book, Forces of Habit, Drugs in the Making of the Modern World by David T. Courtright. Today, um, it's more commentary. I like to kind of take a break every now and then and really talk about what we've learned, what we've read, and again, mirroring it to what we're actually seeing in our modern day society. Okay. So I appreciate, so like I said, any opportunity to have these discussions with people um, to learn our history, where we made mistakes, what we've already tried doing, what has already um, been, been the result of some of our bad choices, society as a whole, um, and also individual, you know, we need to talk about the morality behind it talk about the um, the issues with crime and the response that the law enforcement needs to take, uh, understanding more empathy, realizing that not everyone's on the same like level playing field. People have different upbringings and different understandings and perspectives. So this is just an opportunity. I'm not, I always have to put the disclaimer. I'm not here to sit here and say, oh, you shouldn't do this or you can't do this or, or, or like, oh, you should absolutely do this. This is not what this is about. It's about like you truly understanding yourself what you want for yourself and your family and figuring out what's best for everyone in society because so many different backgrounds and chemical responses and we're at a point right now where it seems as if um there doesn't seem to be a, an easy solution or fix the problem so i don't believe that that's the final answer so here I am, again, your host, that girl, Jenna Kirasoa. Stay tuned and let's get into this discussion. Thanks for being here with us. Okay, so segment one, we briefly kind of went over what already happened with the controlled substances. So today, I wanted to kind of have a discussion on, were we going to continue the trend? Because one of the issues they had with um, distribution problem was the environmental consequences. This is something that I personally didn't even consider would be a problem in the, um, the discussion of controlled substances in the psychoactive era. Um, I never really thought how the, um, the mass working on the land, what it actually did. So there were circumstances where the soil was being depleted of nutrients. They were producing more of these um, psychoactive plant drugs versus actual food and staples. The um, stuff to make different types of breads, soybeans, China was greatly affected by this. They weren't producing actual food for the local villages. So, um, and then they also had the results of what they would call, what was it? The, uh, the wet deserts, very, very thin soil. They would burn some of the forests to clear the land for the cultivation. And then, so there was a layer of ash with the thin soil and then they're getting rid of all the covering. So when they would have rainfall, it resulted in a lot of flooding. And then the flooding would sometimes create um, mudslides, taking out villages, you know, different parts of the world through different crop plants, experience similar things. So that's just one contributing factor to the concerns of um, mass production. So I don't really know, I don't wanna go too far off on another trail, but um, before I talk about the solutions, potential solutions, I don't know, 
we need to really talk about more of the morality behind this because essentially, again, when I have these conversations, this isn't a matter of like, oh, you shouldn't do drugs or you shouldn't be doing that because, and this is why I have no position on it. It's kind of like, the, I'm just gonna jump straight to the end and then go back up with this. The moral of the story, it's kind of like, do what you want, but don't be an asshole. I think society's to that point. They decriminalize a lot of controlled substances in different states. Um, going through the history of the book, Forces of Habit, there has always been a natural proclivity for people to imbibe in controlled substances. They've got citations of slaves who they were threatening their lives, trying to get them to stop. And they were essentially taking the rice rations and they were turning it into liquor, you know, the slaves. And it's like they would rather take a portion of their food and get drunk with it, make a fermented drink, simply because the life circumstances were so harsh. There is the last chapter we talked about. Um, the gentleman literally said, there's a quote, I thought it was hilarious. I'm always sharing this quote because it, it makes a lot of sense. It says, plainly put, these were people who could use a drink or a smoke. They were going through so much. Um, we're talking about plagues, mass murders, warfare, oppression. They're doing, they had famines, poor health conditions. So a lot of these people, these drugs that they were using, these controlled substances were coping mechanisms. And then today, again, I'm always like, we got to bring it up. This is why we're doing the social causes Fridays um, is simply um, just talking about what's, what are we doing today? Is anything different? So we hear about the opi opioid crisis, um, a lot of methamphetamines, fentanyl, people are accidentally overdosing, or I don't know, intentionally, we don't really know all the circumstances. It's really disturbing that you would think after all these years and years and decades and centuries of information and studying and research and understanding the human mind, um, I can't help but I don't know. I'm not I'm not trying to turn this into a conspiracy theory discussion, but it seems as if like maybe they want you guys or people or citizens to stay messed up on drugs. Like it's just easier if everyone is sedated and messed up and they won't have any willpower to fight back. You know, that's just one theory I'm gonna throw out there. At the same time though, we do have our choices. So that's kind of where I'm at like Okay, well, back in the day, if you couldn't quit smoking, sometimes they would threaten, like they would amputate an arm or, you know, pretty much run you out of society or you were discharged from the military if you could not kick a habit. Um, there was lots of people who really frowned on smoking and they called it idolatry. We saw the negative consequences of the cocaine um, and crack cocaine epidemic that was hitting um, communities of color um, they theorized part of it, the due and spikes of, due to the a spike in theft and criminal activity, it was a contributing factor to um, the downside of these drugs. People would rather steal or give away everything that they possessed to continue these addictions and to continue imbibing in these things. And it had a very, very negative outlook um effect and outpouring on communities you know we talked about what happened with opium in china and the effects that it had so 
there had to be strict and harsh prohibition laws. Um, but for some reason, these things still stick around. People still want them and it's still very popular. So it just kind of begs the question, like, is there really anything that we can do? Because at, at the end of the day, I mean, and also one of the, the intro chapters, the author made mention that the more and more as our technology advances, um, so does the concentration of controlled substances. Because first you have wine and then you've got, you know, beer, it kind of just is something that naturally ferments and it just sits around and it, it's a natural occurrence. And then you go up to distilling and then you've got harsher and harsher types of chemicals for these. And then example, like the coca leaves, very, very simple. You think you got people would chew on them to get the, the effects. And the next thing you know, now you got people, you know, doing cocaine. So it's one of those things is just, they perfected these these skills, they improved it, they magnified it, they made it more concentrated and more potent and talk about morphine. So people were getting injured on the battlefield. People were experiencing painful things. They're very, very grateful for what opium and morphine could do to help kill pain and help treat pain and help people cope better with life. Then you get to the point though, where the addiction comes in and people you don't have the same self-control. You have the tendency more so to become paranoid. There's negative side effects and drawbacks. But it goes back to the question of like, is it the government's job and responsibility to tell you, oh, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that? At what point is it your free will and that of the benefit of society? So another point that they brought up for the second segment of the puzzlement of distribution was this type of learning curve. As one guy described it, that you have a generation who was introduced to a new controlled substance. Everyone's like, oh my God, this new drug, this new drug. Everyone's taking it, everyone's summing it, everyone's enjoying it. And then you start to see the negative downside where people are selling everything they have, everything that they possess, valuable things to continue getting it um, results in not being able to perform their work at the same level of capacity without the controlled substance, then you start to, they talked about the cosmetic effects. And one of the reasons why some of the Europeans looked at the users and like, oh my goodness, use like your teeth are black, your skin is hard and scaly, your teeth are falling out. Um, like, oh, we don't want these drugs because this is how you're going to end up looking. You know, like those different things that they had, superficial, materialistic, vanity type looking um, concerns. So, but that, that's also the reality that, you know, if you're going to be constantly using these hard drugs, it's going to be affecting your body. And these are some of the things that is a result. So as people are seeing the negative effects of these controlled substances, the gener younger generations coming up are starting to observe and say, okay, I don't want to have the paranoia. I don't want to have all these problems, you know, so it naturally, the, the decline naturally drifts off. People stop using it because they're like, hey, these are causing too many problems. And then the problems though, that, that arises from the next generation that comes up, they're not immune to it because they did not see all the negative stuff. They, it's kind of like they forget. So the cycle repeats itself. So, you know, you have after the hippie revolution, and um, the baby boomers were starting to settle down and have their own children. 
you know, there was this error in the United States, you know, because I'm from the States, so I can talk about the States, going through the history books and looking at all the documentaries. You know, there was that that movement where people were like, okay, you know, we don't want that for our kids. We want to do better for our children. So people are, you know, conforming to society, living the American dream, the perfect, like, what is it? The mother, father, 2.5 children with the dog and the cat and the white picket fence. And um, you had the 80s when you had the computers and television coming out and the Christmases where, you know, you had presents under the tree and you had the barbecues and the get togethers. And um, so now we're kind of transitioning to another era where we're seeing, okay, what happened to all of that? We're seeing, whew, again, I keep bringing it up, a lot of suicides, a lot of ODing, um, a spike in crime, a spike in con, um, the adult entertainment industries blowing up. So it's very, very fascinating to see, again, we're going over this learning curve, this wave of no one's doing drugs or very, very few people are doing drugs or only the bad people in society, quote unquote, are doing drugs. So um, now it's like we're going to the phase where it seems like it's commonplace everywhere and everyone's doing it. And we briefly touched on the pharmaceutical industry in the last segment of our Social Causes Fridays. That was at the very, very end. And I'm going to read a quote from that. It says, primary source over the last hundred years of psychoactive um, novel um, novelty is synthetic drugs of big pharma. Psychiatry's, this is coming from page 66 of Forces of Habit, Drugs in the Making of the Modern World. Psychiatry's biological turn and rise of cosmetic psychopharmacology, the prescription of profitable new drugs to fine-tune mood and improve performance, assure the continued introduction of clean synthetic alternatives to natural drugs. And eventually all those drugs ended up making their way to the drug underworld. Anyways, so it seems as if if it's not coming from a prescription from a doctor or if it's not coming from some kind of jungle out there in the wilderness, um, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately people, humans, us, like we, we like the good feeling. We like the dopamine. We like the chemical responses. We like feeling like we're, I guess in heaven, that's what we, that's what we're told. It's, it feels like um, this great euphoric, awesome feeling. So it doesn't seem to matter what government does. People are going to do what they're going to do. And I can respect that. This isn't about like, oh, don't do drugs. You know, like, be a good girl. So um, <laughs> with that discussion, though, in mind, let me go ahead and transition. So I kind of gave you a little bit of the intro. Hopefully you were able to get all of that, like the history of all of these psychoactive properties and between sugar, caffeine, distilled drinks, wine, coca, cocaine, all of that stuff. It's like, what does that really look like translated into morality, like the mindset of the um, of the consumer? So let's kind of like let me take a little mini break and kind of transition into that. OK, so let's let's really talk about the morality now behind this. I remember I have two examples. OK, and they may not seem related, but I'm going to quickly overlap it. OK, so. First, I'm going to bring up, I was in the D.A.R.E. program back in the day when they had the, the um, deputies and the law enforcement come into the schools and teach the children about drugs and the, to be cautious about drugs and all that stuff. And then um, my experience, my very first job, my official job working at 
the local Starbucks. Okay, so how does the local Starbucks and the D.A.R.E. program apply? Okay, so let me start with the Starbucks story first, and then I'll go to the D.A.R.E. program story. So when I was working at Starbucks, um, they had a very, very strict dress code. This is 2005. I was there for about four months. So it was like fall of 2005 through 2006. And then I was very blessed with the opportunity to go on a missions trip to India for about three months. So I left Starbucks to go on that trip. I absolutely love that job. I really, really respect the company. This isn't me saying anything bad. This is just my experience. And when I was there, it was either a black shirt or a white shirt with a collar. It was either a button down or a polo. You could either wear black pants, khaki pants, or you could wear a skirt. That was part of the dress code. And if you were, I remember reading the employee handbook. I'm a, I'm a nerd like that. So you could, if you were wearing a white shirt, you're supposed to have like a white undershirt. If you're wearing a black shirt, you were supposed to have a black undershirt. You know, you couldn't have any facial tattoos or piercings. You couldn't have any visible tattoos. If you did, it had to be like very small or minor and covered up. You had to look very, very professional working there. And at me being just turned 18, um, very first job, I had a hard time with that because I was like, okay, well, I remember going to school and you couldn't, at that time when I was in school, I'm old. Um, yeah, kids, you actually weren't allowed to have piercings and stuff. And you, of course, weren't supposed to have tattoos. You had to be 18, technically. I mean, there was one, I remember one classmate, this one dude, we were in home ec class. And he did have tattoos because his parents were like, I don't care. And they had him tattooed. So high school, there's one guy I remember who had tattoos. This is how old I am. And he was one of those rebellious, like rebel kids kind of guy. Like, I wish I could hang out with him, but I'm a good Christian girl listening to Christian music and going to like youth group and stuff. But so that was me as a child. And so, yeah, Starbucks, you couldn't have any of that stuff. You had to be professional. You had to look professional, do your job. They had the um, legendary customer service. I remember that very, very well. So I had a hard time because I'm like in high school, I couldn't really wear anything I wanted to wear. I had to follow my parents' rules. I had to follow the dress code at school. So at work, I had to follow dress code at work. And it really always irked me. I'm like, I can't express myself. There was one time where I did get a wig and it wasn't quite burgundy. It was brighter than burgundy. And I, um, the very first, I was working at a second Starbucks on the base. And my boss was like, you can't wear that. It's unnatural. It's not a natural hair color. So I went to the other Starbucks and I asked the manager his opinion. And he's like, yeah, that's a little bit. You're kind of cutting it close there, girl, with the colored wigs. Like, it's supposed to be natural hair color or something, right? So, again, I had a hard time with that. And I ended up getting a write-up because I wanted to wear the wig anyways. I really liked the color. I wanted to be myself. I thought it looked great with the... um you know, with the apron. You know what? I want to take a picture. I have my apron here, so I will take a picture and post it later. So I had a hard time with that. And then I remember talking with me Padre and because um, he was military, retired, and he has to wear a uniform. He taught NJROTC. You got to wear a uniform. And I was like, God, am I, am I ever going to be able to be myself or express myself in a professional work setting? So it took me a while to kind of grow up and realize, you know what, there's a time and place when you're at work, you respect your employer. There's these rules for a reason. You're representing the company that you're working for. Um, if you don't reflect the rules, then go 
start your own business, go get a business license, go get an LLC, go get a permit from your local community, go do your research and go start your own business, right? Essentially. So I had to get into my mind, my, my rebellious mind and think, okay, I need to respect the rules and authority. I need to submit to those governing authority, especially as a Christian, you need to respect those in authority. No arguing, just go with it. Okay. If you want to work and thrive and be a productive member of society, you need to be aware and respectful of the rules. And I was, I got on board with that. I've helped, thankfully, thanks be to God. Like this is truly a blessing. I'm not even trying to brag. This is just my, my resume. If anyone doesn't know anything about me, let me tell you a little bit about me and why I'm so passionate and adamant because all of my jobs have been very blessed to, I don't even really consider them. I will some of them, but for the most part, so I had experience at Starbucks. I had experience at Jamba Juice. I've done Jack in the Box. I've worked um, at this company called CSD Communication Services for the Deaf, where we would really relay phone calls for the hearing and um, speech impaired. We would type the conversations out for customers. They would call in on their machine. We would listen and we would type and transcribe conversations, or we would verbalize. If the person couldn't speak, they would type and we would verbalize it to other people. So wonderful job, great experience. Um, I need to increase my skills, so I'm working on that. Um, I've, I got um, a class B license. I drove a 15 passenger van for um, this program, Life of Liberty. I worked with developmentally delayed adults at their day program. And the driving route, I would um, spend two hours driving to pick up all of the residents in SoCal and the Vista area and Oceanside area and then drive them to the day program, work with them with their milestones, their progress, teaching them life skills, socializing skills, everything, um, helping them eat, cooking their meals, and then drive them back two hours. You know, I've had some really awesome jobs working with different types of people. So absolutely love it. I actually wanna get back into that field, um, working with either adults or, you know, elderly, what have you. Absolutely loved. I worked with children. I used to, you know, volunteer working with children and doing youth programs. Always loved all of that. So the point that I'm trying to make though is like I realized wherever I went, it was important that I respected the rules and I did my best to follow the dress code and I wasn't trying to be rebellious or anything. And if there was like, you know, the whole thing, drug tests, all of that, managed to, you know, to follow the rules and get to it. And it was very, very difficult. So I'm not saying that it's right or fair. It is what it is. That's, that's life. That's what I was able to do and accomplish in my life. So going back to now the D.A.R.E. program. Now, this is again, my foundation, fifth grade. We learned about the different types of drugs, the, the dangers of them and to stay away from them and learn how to say no. But what I do recall though, is, um, they giving us the impression that the people who were using them were criminals and that they were bad people, essentially, just in short, from what my childhood memory can uh, recall from the, the discussion. So you grow up thinking, oh my goodness, you're, you're doing something so bad. Like you're, ooh, those are bad kids. And the kids that, that take off from school to go smoke the reefer and to go smoke the pot, like those are some bad kids or, or the ones who are, so anyways, I have that mindset alongside with me trying to do my best, be a good member of society, follow the rules and don't question authority, 
you know, you shouldn't be doing that. Just go do your job and, you know, find your place in the world. So I was, I was that person like, yeah, I want to follow the rules and I'm not going to go against anything. So now fast forward um, about a decade later and I'm examining what's going on in the world and I'm analyzing like, why are so many people on drugs? Why are so many people like, why would you rather stay on drugs? Why don't you just go get a normal job? Like why, you know, so I'm like, you know, I turned heck up. First I was very liberal, you know, very, very open to like all the Black Lives Matter stuff, the um, MSNBC, Democratic Party, very, very compassionate and like loving and like everything, you know, let's love people. And then I went to the other extreme where I'm like, I'm hardcore, like right, conservative, like you just get it together. You just need to get a job and stop questioning authority. People need to just, you know, so I was given a lot of information from my spouse at the time who had lived the life of the drug dealer and dealing, dabbling with that stuff in his past and um, met peers and friends. Um, and then most recently, last couple of years, I've spent some time living in a couple of different shelters, um, talking to different people, meeting people who um, are technically homeless and who are on drugs. I've met a wide variety of people. Like I said, I went on a missions trip to India. I was there for a month. We traveled across the states, India for a month, and we traveled back across the states. So um, also father retired Navy, spent some time in Italy but spent mostly of my time in farming communities of California and in a very conservative area. So now with all of that being said, giving you a little bit of my foundation, my history, my background, Christian conservative upbringing, um, we don't do drugs, you follow the rules, you wear the uniform. Now, where am I at now? So I think I already said it in the beginning. I said, I'm going to start with the, the bottom and go back up. I already wrote the note down. And I think the moral of the story is I've come to the conclusion, do what you want, but don't be an asshole. Okay. Because I make jokes and say, like, okay, because you know, I've talked to some people who have been um, recovering uh, meth users and their own admittance, they're like, yeah, um, I would shoplift. I would steal. And sometimes I didn't even need it. I just would just steal. It was just part of the thing you did. It was kind of a rush. But then I need to also tell the rest of the story. I've also met people who um, they don't steal. They are hardworking mothers who are like, they started taking it because they needed to stay awake. And I needed to be able to take care of their home and go to work and fulfill all of their expectations. And they happen to use that drug that allows them to continue working and working and working to hold, you know, to maintain what society expects you to do, which is to work hard, get a job, pay all your bills, don't question authority. But they are, again, single mothers struggling to pay the expensive rent in an expensive state without very much support. So it's extremely affordable to go get this controlled substance that allows you to do everything that you're expected to do in society so you're not a burden, so you're not an inconvenience, so you don't have to be another statistic getting money from the government. I know people who don't get any money from the government who work their asses off to provide for their families. I know single moms 
who have had to sacrifice time away from their kids working two jobs between Target and Kmart, busting their asses, trying to pay their own bills. So when you have someone who's like, I need something to help me, you know, they, these people aren't out there stealing, you know, they're not. They're working their butts off. You've got people who work in the fields. You've got people who like the book, the history that we're going through, Drugs in the Making of the Modern World. They, um, they were living in hellish circumstances. And we have people today in modern times living in hellish circumstances. And these people aren't criminals. These people aren't bad people. They just need something to help them or something to help them cope. And... Whether or not you agree with it at this point is irrelevant. If we're actually, if you're looking at what the people are doing with their time and with their money, we have to gauge it off of that. It's just unfortunate that you have such an overwhelming negative outpouring. You've got the people who are like, who will steal, who will take, and you make everyone look bad. That is really one of the biggest problems that we have with this movement is um, the, the strong, overwhelming dark side of it. Because then, you know, this propels the, um, the prostitution department. And this is where it's like, okay, we're talking about the morality of it. You have people out there who they're simply trying to survive. Again, I'm going to bring up women. I don't like to talk about homelessness especially with women more specifically i um what i when i talk about my experience living in the shelter and um hanging out with people i usually say i hang out with homeless men but i've there's a lot of homeless women that i hang out with and i don't like talking about it because to me it's just i i'm so sensitive to the issue like i don't like the idea that they're in those positions it breaks my heart and i'm biased because i'm female and we're generally Generally speaking, I can't say absolute, but generally speaking, physically weaker, more susceptible to sexual assault, violence, and attacks. And with the pandemic in 2020, there was a spike in female homelessness due, due to them fleeing domestic violence situations and finding safety and refuge and unfortunately ending up living homeless. So um, I've met a couple of women in those positions and this is where it kind of just breaks my heart because it's like a lot of these people aren't, they're not bad people. And that's what makes me so mad. Cause I remember it wasn't, again, it's not the intention of these, of the dear officer or the programs running these programs. They're trying to deter people from falling victim to what drugs can potentially do. And it's been documented and recorded in history, what these controlled substances tend to do there are people out there who once they do something like they can't stop it feels like that amazing and they're willing to sacrifice their family their kids whatever to continue using because the reality of life is just too hard or um it's just too it's too devastating it's too difficult or if you have things that you haven't dealt with or treated if you have the past um mental abuse the psychological damage if that hasn't been treated then the controlled substances will help or it'll make you feel better and cope with it, ultimately giving you bigger problems in the long run. So thus these discussions, like what do we actually do as a society? I know some gentlemen um, who they can be on meth all day. You wouldn't even know 
they're not out there acting crazy, hurting people or looking obviously like messed up, like to act out. They're not. They're like, they have a, a big tolerance or their chemical makeup is different. They can handle it. I've heard other people who are like functioning on heroin to them. It's just, they've got pain and that's the way that they treat their own pain. They found access to it. It works for them. They're able to function and not be what you would call a burden to society. But then you have the other ones who are like, that's all they want to do and they can't do anything else. And then we bring up the sensitive topic of the prostitution and the sex work. And you've got people who are like, I got to survive. My kids got to eat, you know, using the controlled substances is another coping mechanism for that lifestyle. And it just kind of fuels the industry. It's like one, you got the sex addiction that comes up with the drug addiction. And then you need the incentive, which is the money is the part of it is the incentive. So now we're looking at, okay, so what's actually illegal? What are we going to like apprehend? Is it the, the act, the sexual act? Is that the crime? Is it being on the drugs? Is it desperation because you don't know what else to do? You're lost your sense of hope. This is all you know. You need to make money to survive. Your heart isn't in the place to be malicious or evil. You're not trying to bring, bring anyone down. You're trying to live, you're only trying to function, right? So this is why Social Cause is Friday. What's going on? Are these kids okay? Are we okay? What's going on? What's right? What's wrong? What is your intent? What is your heart? Um, and like I said, I'm gonna repeat it for the third time. The moral of the story, kind of like do what you want, just don't be an asshole should we prosecute the crime? Do you need to steal? Is it an appropriate response? Like, I don't want to be mad. Like, I don't want to be, I, I really don't, personally, I don't care. But like, I can see why some people are like, hey, you know where I worked really, really hard to take care of my family and maintain safety and stability. I've been a great member of society. Like, you know, like me, I was like a little, I was a Girl Scout. Sticking out, you know what, let me just show you. I'll show you my proof. Okay, if y'all don't know who I am, right here, I don't know if you can see that. It says Girl Scout Siganella Sicily. It might be backwards on the Facebook Live, but it says Girl Scout Siganella Sicily. I was in the Girl Scouts in Italy. Okay, that's my patch right there. So, yeah, I was a Girl Scout. I did the Starbucks. I did the Jamba Juice. I did the Jock in the Box. I did driving, all of that stuff, right? There are people out there who have worked their entire lives busting their ass, okay? Gratefully, my parents have been able to work for years and years and years and retire. I know some people who have invested their entire lives working, sacrifice. You've got veterans out there, another reason, another layer of the homelessness crisis. People who have been shell-shocked and damaged. People who have sacrificed so much more than me. Like, I'm not even a drop, a drop in the bucket, like nothing. Nothing that I've done compares to the hard work that other people have invested in me. So I can, from my little bit of work experience, my little bit of time on life, I can see why some people would be like, why are you taking my stuff? Why are you destroying my community? Why are you leaving your shit all over the place? 
Like, I understand you got problems, but dude, like, we could do better. Like, why are you fuck? Sorry. Why are you messing up stuff for everyone? Like, I could see why people get frustrated. Like, why? I don't get it. So I'm kind of like over here in the middle, like, um, dude, like, I feel like they should just be able to do whatever they want, but I also feel like you should be able to protect your stuff too and not have to worry about it getting jacked. Like, I get it. So I'm kind of like, I don't know, the police force, you guys can be kind of savage, like with the whole cannabis thing. Like you were putting people in prison for cannabis and now it's like people are popping it like candy. You got cannabis candy. That's another issue though. You got children taking these like but these gummies and like they're getting that's another layer i don't even want to get into right now talking about what's what's good and what's right for society i don't think children should be on those excuse me <clears throat> your liver your brain is still developing we're talking about dependency and prevention I'll, I'll save that for the closing some possible solutions but essentially though let's find the middle ground with this this is a kind of the point i'm having with this discussion it's like I can see why you want to be on your little your drugs because personally, personally, um, as much as I, I respect the um, the LDS of Mormon Church, I absolutely do. You know, I have my Book of Mormon here. I've been studying it. Like I'm very open. I want to study. I want to learn. I want to understand. You know, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. You know, and I'm studying and I'm learning more about these things, getting a variety. So let me show you the other book. Again, this is the book that we're going through, Social Causes Friday. This is by David T. Courtright. I'm, I'm very, very fond of it. He is a professor of history. And yeah, so this is the book that I'm studying and I'd like to read. So what I'm trying to make, though, is um, you have people who are like, what do we, how do we work this out? Where it's, um, you were apprehending the police for putting people away in prison. And I said, me personally... Like, I wish I could say no to everything, but you know, like sugar, soda, glass of wine, a beer periodically, a cigarette, nicotine if you're stressed out, cannabis, there's a reason for it. Um, there's a reason why people take it and use it. We could spend a good hour segment and I would like to have um, a, a, a deeper in-depth discussion. I don't wanna just be me here talking, I know. So we're working. I have some friends, we're collaborating on working on a new series, a new show, a panel show, you know, talking about, like I have some friends in the LGBT community, I'm more of the conservative Christian, and we we wanna have more of these discussions. I don't know, what's the best way to handle some of these situations? Because I don't think it was, it's obviously not right that you would um, incarcerate people and give them severe sentences for some of these substances, you know, when people are just like literally trying to just cope with a very, very difficult life experience who haven't done anything other than you don't want them using this drug. And we can get into that debate later specifically about cannabis, but for now, let's just focus on generally, what do we do with the addictions? What do we do with the, um, the spike in crime, the spike in, overdoses and suicides what is the law enforcement to do what are the um the drug dealers to do because some of them that's their life and i respect that like i have no problem if you're a dealer i don't care but my my argument is um again can we not be a jackass can we not like 
hurt people. Like, that's the thing, though. Like, why are we, why are people getting hurt unnecessarily? And that's kind of, so, with me, the morality issue from the Christian and the human humanitarian issue. And then talking about the environmental issues. And it's like, dude, I respect the fact, like, you want to get, you want to get on your, you want to do your drugs? I respect that. I do. But I don't respect the fact that people are getting hurt, people are dying, and the environment's suffering, and you've got people out there who are trying to preserve their safety, their family, their their family's lives, their livelihood. They have every right to defend themselves. You, If you're a father and you're concerned about your children's safety and well-being, you have every right to defend your home, and I respect that greatly. Hey there. Hi. Um, I respect the fact that you want to defend your community, you want to defend your country from attacks, from crime, from their, your own children potentially becoming one of the victims of addiction. That's my first priority because I am a family member, I am a mother, and I don't like the idea of my children having to be living living in fear. And then there's it's happening across the country where people don't have that choice, that luxury to keep their children safe from these people. So that's where I do lean on the side of law enforcement because like they're trying, I mean, I, I know we got some shady people out there. You can't, nothing's perfect. We realize this, we realize that they're shady cops. We realize that they're um, or shady politicians, they're shady doctors, they're shady um, church members, they're shady pastors. There's evil everywhere. We're aware of this, but there's also good people. There are good loving pastors or good loving police officers and politicians and church members. And this is where I think we're at now in society. We're at this crossroads right now where we're seeing that the evil is just getting eviler, but the good is getting gooder and brighter and more apparent. We're being able to see that at the same time, though, it's still overlapping. Not every person who uses drugs are criminals. Not all of them are evil. Not all of them steal. Not all of them are terrible people. There are people who got lost in the system, who got dropped, who got forgotten, and they got pulled away into that. These people are not all evil. And then you've got the ones who are, live, are living in the homes who are closet alcoholics, who are closet pill poppers. You got white suburban, every, every race, every background who are addicted to pills and prescription meds, addicted to porn, addicted to what have you, alcohol, coffee, who can't function without these things. So this, I put a post on my Facebook earlier and I'll, and I'll repeat it. <clears throat> what I do respect about drugs is drugs are not biased. They're not sexist, not racist. You could be any race any demographic group, however you want to identify. It doesn't matter to drugs. They'll take you. And it's kind of a beautiful thing in a very depressing way. Very depressing, morbid way. Drugs will take you. Point I'm trying to make, though, is, again, how do we go on? Where do we go from there? What are some potential solutions? So let me go ahead and um, transition, because I've been talking a lot on this subject. But let's, let's kind of wrap all this up and get some conclusions, some potential we need to continue talking about this. So um, as I do my commentaries, as I'm talking and sharing with everyone, I really want to also always try to have potential solutions to these problems. It's not a doubt of mind, like, 
me being a keyboard warrior, like, okay, you guys, I'm gonna just complain and call all these problems. There are solutions. I've, I've had a lot of ideas. It's just a matter of getting them to the right audience, getting them to the right people who need it. So uh, let me put in my little plug really fast. Okay, this is why my group, I've been working with this Facebook movement. Um, I've had this page since 2012. 2012, yeah. So 10 years, I've had my page present reality or your present reality. I just recently put up a new website called yourpresentreality.com. And the mission of this is essentially to bring a sense of unity and healing to communities, allowing people an opportunity to get better skills and resources so that they can navigate life easier and get more out of it, save time and money and to avoid some of the negative pitfalls, trying to create the opposite of a hellish life. Essentially, I know it sounds kind of cheesy and like, you know, world peace, you know, like Poppy from Trolls, you know, they've seen me troll and they hate. Anyways, um, honestly, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. We're trying to create a heaven on earth where people can truly enjoy their life without living in fear, without being stressed out, causing hate and anger. Like, you can enjoy your passions. You can pursue your, your dreams while making a living and taking care of your family, maintaining safety, learning better communication skills, learning better work skills, learning um, better family planning skills, getting the information, networking with other like-minded people. Just that's what we're trying to get to the point. So now it's the let's pull all these ideas together, all these loose ends, all these different random people and find a common goal. And like I said, I went through the extreme. I was far left where I was liberal, love everyone. Then I went to the far right where it's like rigid and strict and like just do better. We need to maintain a safer environment and better communities and support your police, you know, like hardcore. And now I've come back somewhere in the middle, a little bit higher. Like the spiritual side has been like, that has been the driving force. Like, like I said, follower of Christ, Holy Spirit, God. That's that's who I rep. That's all I care about. And everything else that falls into place, it's it's I'm at the point of either you're a good person or you're not. I don't care really what you do as long as like you, tr you truly are not there with the intent to cause harm to another innocent person. Especially babies, especially unborn babies, especially women. That's just that's just how it is. And um back that up with the Bible, but I'm not going to do that today. Most importantly, though, is we need to figure out, again, the solution. So let me bring up some of the ideas, because um, like I said, first and foremost, a lot of these problems, if we're going back to the history books, this is my history book right now, unemployment, um, helplessness, um, a, a loss of sense of purpose, People who are shell-shocked, people who have experienced severe trauma, survivors of trafficking, people who have been victims of domestic abuse, verbal abuse and violence, children who never had a loving, supporting family structured system, kids who have been victims of divorced parents or um, abusive parents, parents who were on drugs, you were in the foster care system, CPS got a hold of you another subject matter we can get into later. There's a plethora of reasons why a lot of children and adults grow up living 
um, very fractured lives, finding it very difficult for them to quote unquote function in normal society, whatever that is, right? That's my point. That's why I brought up my foundation where I was like, I was here and a picture of me. I was the Girl Scout. There's me. And there's a little picture of me over here when I was a, you can kind of see me. I don't know if you can see me. Okay. That's me. Not the best picture, but I'll show you some other pictures when I was younger. I, that was my foundation understanding and very blessed to have that opportunity. Other people have different experiences, but before I go too far, I didn't want to bring up this point too and why I talk about drugs and how they, I respect them because they're not biased. You could have the best life. You could have both parents in your home, well-educated, and you could still end up a drug addict, homeless, living in some camp out there on the streets because your body and your chemical makeup and you just love drugs. I've heard stories like that were like, yeah, and there's no problems. And the kid's just like, I just like being high. I know one girl who's like, she got, she stopped smoking meth. She'd been smoking it for a year. Like she was injecting it. She was like slamming it in her neck, you know, hardcore to it. You're like, she did every single drug you can think of. And her explanation was, it feels good. But then she's like, you know what? I'm tired of this. And she stopped. She got sober. And she's like, I'm going to take my life back. And, and I'm like, wow. Thank you. That's amazing. And then I know some people who have had terrible upbringings who have like, they witnessed their parents do drugs and they were coming home and their parents were strung out, passed out. And they're like, I don't want this. And they've lived their entire life sober. And like, I'm not going to do drugs. And then you've got some people where like, they have the same parents. One becomes the alcoholic. The other one stays sober because they both witnessed their parents or they're, you know, using these these substances. And they're like, I don't want that. So you can't tell me definitively who's going to be on drugs. You could, there are lots of statistics that say, yes, if that's your upbringing and there's a good chance or probability that you're going to fall victim to that, but it's not a guarantee. If you have a good upbringing, you could still fall victim to drugs or the wrong person at the wrong time. And the next thing you know, you're hooked. So again, it goes back to your heart, your morality, your intent. There are people out there who've lived their entire life sober from all controlled substances. I personally would think if you do not need to use any chemicals at all, that is the better way to go. Like churches out there, there are people who live completely sober lives. I believe that's probably the best for you. Clean food, living off the land, keeping things as natural as possible, less chemical interventions is the best. Personal, personally think that that's the best way for people to live. If that's your opportunity, if that's where you're at right now in your life, I've never done a drug in my life. Good, don't start, you don't need to. Your body does not need it. Enjoy it, stay sober if you can. If you've already imbibed and you want to cut back, you want to titrate off of it, I would encourage you to do that. It's possible to get off. It's possible to get on different things and to find sobriety. And I would encourage people, if that's where you're at right now, to do that. And if you need some help, I can direct you and give you some resources and, and ways and tools and tips to help you 
and I can get you in touch with people who can also help you. And that's what I'm trying to do as well with these discussions. So it really depends. If you haven't done drugs, don't do drugs. If you want to get off drugs, we can help you get off drugs. If you want to maintain on drugs and you don't really care and you just want to like function in society without people hating you, let's have this discussion. I think that um, it's already been proven. I don't, so I don't think. I know that um, the brain isn't fully developed and mature, the frontal cortex and all that stuff until about average 25 when you get the full maturity of your brain and body. So it's highly recommended though, if you want to get on drugs, I would wait. I would encourage you to wait as long as possible. You need to develop healthy coping skills. You need to develop your work ethic. You need to be able to say, there's a time and place for this. As much as I loved the opportunity to start working, I did lament the fact that I wasn't going to be able to express this myself the way I wanted. And now I'm seeing that they've changed the rules in the dress code at Starbucks. You can um, have visible tattoos and piercings and kind of wear whatever you want. And I respect and appreciate that they adapted and they changed. They wanted people to be able to express themselves and that the clientele when they came in that their that particular Starbucks was tailored to that community and you felt more of like this is my Starbucks this is my coffee shop these are my baristas and baristas or whatever you call themselves nowadays like everyone had their own personal vibe and feeling and I'm just like that's cool I'm glad like I mean I wish I had that when I was a kid but here we go let's go back to this discussion though we still need to find the balance balance I'm trying to balance a pen on my finger of respecting the foundation you cannot have a company or a business without the standard structured rules you need the foundation as much as i love the idea of the whole anarchist movement where you're going to destroy everything and we're going to create a society of this that and the other there's rules for a reason I, I always bring up the skeletal system your skeletal system is hard and rigid because it frames your body it protects some of your organs your brain it's a hard skull to protect one of your most vital organs and that's the same thing with the rules and structure of society we need the skeletal system because if not everything falls apart and you've got nothing to stand on literally this is why as much as i respect you wanting to express yourself and do whatever you want whatever you want to do it i love that trust me there were times where i was so mad i remember getting into a fight with the ex because he did not want to get a driver's license he didn't want to have to shave he didn't want to have to conform to the rules of society he's like i don't want to do it I'm like, well, you're not going to get a job. And if you don't get a job and we can't work, then what are we supposed to do? We can't function in society without that. You're going to have to follow some of the rules. You have to go get a driver's license. You have to shave and you have to follow the dress code. And then once you're in a better position, then you can make your own rules. And I remember being so mad. I'm like, I had a sacrifice. I wanted to get a facial piercing. I wanted to, you know, the Monroe or the, I don't know which one's which, the Monroe and then the what was the other one it's gonna come to me later i i couldn't get a facial piercing when i worked at starbucks you know i couldn't but i had to suck it up and just do my job and then there's millions of people who are like you know what 
they had no choice. They had to suck it up and do their job. And I respect those people and I love you. And I love the work ethic. I love the integrity. I love hard work. I appreciate that. And I thank my ancestors. I thank my parents. I thank my service members. I thank the law enforcement. I thank the lawyers. I thank the attorneys. I thank the school official. I thank the CPS workers who are serious about their jobs, who want to maintain the safety and well-being of our communities. I respect and I thank you. Okay. And I also understand the other side and where people are coming from where we're like, you are sometimes people can be really rigid. They can be very, very hard. They can be very, very demanding and unforgiving and unapologetic and insensitive and arrogant and impatient. You have the people out there who are like, we don't care about your feelings at all, which is not right either. This is why there's this clash right now because it's like, you're not hearing their side. You're not hearing their side. You can't, our younger generation has been growing up with the, I call it, you know, the microwave syndrome, or you can call it the calculator thing, where it's, um, you're not learning any other skills, survival skills. You're completely expected and dependent on technology, and you expect those same results in everyday life. You haven't exercised the, the mental capacity of work and good work ethic and being able to maintain a job or not even a job, just even if you were to work for yourself, you wouldn't be able to do it because you don't have the, the training, the mental endurance. So it's easier to stay on drugs because you get the good, happy feelings without having the same amount of work. The thing is though, and this is the, this is the kicker here. It took me a while to learn this. I'm old. I don't look it, but I'm, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two, <laughs> just a little bit, not that much. I'm kind of in the middle and I love it. I love being here. I'm just going to say it. The most rewarding feeling ever, the best high out there is when you accomplish one of your goals that you've worked so hard to finish. And unfortunately, I feel bad for a lot of people who won't ever experience that feeling because they're so used to getting the instant gratification. They're used to shooting up a drug, inhaling, snorting, gulping, throwing back, whatever, because you never had to wait. The pursuit of happiness. The Constitution of the United States doesn't guarantee your happiness. They're not saying you have the right to be happy. No, that's not what they're saying. This is where you get it twisted. Don't get it twisted, Obama status. Don't get it twisted. You have the right to pursue it. And that, my friend, is the best feeling in the world once you actually realize what that looks like. They're not guaranteeing you're going to be happy. That's not what this is about. This company, this this country, this company, <laughs> United States, this company of the United States has allowed you the opportunity to pursue your happiness. And that's where the feelings of elation, the feelings of euphoria, of accomplishment, that's where it comes in. That's where the music music that's where the magic happens when like if you're a musician because i got some people who are like oh you wasted your time getting a a music degree or a liberal arts that's not a waste okay and i don't like when people say that like you wasted your it's like it's unfortunate that you don't have the opportunity to pursue that that's the frustrating thing okay i don't know where this went sorry 
I'm going to have to add a conclusion because I don't know where it went. I think it froze up on me. I'm not able to record anymore. Oh, well. Sorry, YouTube. We'll have to work on that one later. The point I'm trying to make, though, is with the mental endurance and the working and the training and getting your foundation down, once you learn how to work through that and you start to increase those feelings, that's that's where the, the music, the magic happens. That's where the happiness comes from, those feelings of elation. That's a natural response. That is what your body is supposed to do. That's a natural chemical response. But unfortunately, we have so many people now who, um, the way the world works, the way the cookie crumbles, is um, you've got the instant gratification, the dopamine hits from your phone. It's like you're going to a casino, you're constantly scrolling up with your phone. It's like you're scrolling, you're scrolling. There's a reason why these devices make certain sounds the rewards. The dopamine, you're getting dopamine hits, social media addiction, pornography addiction, alcoholism, pill popping, whatever. It's all the same thing. You're, it's pleasure center, you're pleasure seeking, we're pleasure seeking people. So it's very, very frustrating trying to explain to people, especially younger people, that you can experience these feelings naturally. It takes more time and more work, but that's what we were supposed to do. We were supposed to work. If you're feeling anxious, like I gotta do, the anxiety feeling is your body telling you, I want to do something. Anxiety is like, we're trying, we want something accomplished. We want to do something. We want to get the body going. We want to get the chemicals doing. You, you need to build something. I know a gentleman who, um, talented carpenter, chose not to be on any meds. Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to spend X amount of time outside in the sunshine working. And that's a better alternative than sitting around being stoned all day. But a lot of people just don't know that. They don't understand what's going on in their bodies. So again, solutions are, we need to really talk about the chemicals and the biological responses that happens in the body. Because like, I've been trying to tell people like, personally, when the pandemic first hit and everyone's tripping out, I'm thankfully the sources I was listening to at the time, I won't do any name bombing dropping because I don't want to get Facebook triggered. I won't say the name, but I'm sure you can figure it out. It's like, I was told about preventative health. Instead of worrying about if you get sick, you should accept that I'll probably get sick. But instead of me getting sick and being debilitated, let me give my body a fighting chance. So thankfully, thankfully, I personal experience, I started taking more supplements and vitamins and I noticed a huge improvement in my mood. I felt I had more energy. I was more awake. I was mentally aware. I was clear. My thoughts, my resilience, my feelings weren't getting hurt. I wasn't as sensitive. I had the endurance to take care of all of the children, all of the household. I wasn't getting sick. I haven't been sick this last holiday season. And I'm not trying to brag. This is just me saying like, this is what I want other people to know. This is why I'm the present reality page. Like I'm offering cons clarity consultations. Please schedule a meeting with me. We can talk about these different options. Like I felt significantly happier. Like I was healthier, happier, more energy. And this was all because I didn't want to get COVID. I didn't want to get sick, but I was told, why don't you take care of your body and prevent it from getting, you know, 
broken down from this. So thanks be to God. And I mean that with all my heart from that source that I got the information in my, even my own mother who had a doctor who said, here, take some extra vitamin D, take some extra calcium, take some magnesium, take some iodine, you know? So, and I started taking beet juice concentrate. I was, my experience at Jamba Juice, I started taking wheatgrass powder, fresh wheat, wheatgrass juice shots, go to Jamba Juice, get a wheatgrass shot. I'm telling you, fresh citrus, fresh squeeze OJ, I could go on. There's a list, but I'm telling you, I started feeling better. I used to smoke cigarettes a lot. And then I started taking different types of mushrooms and then the cravings just dissipated. Like, I mean, I'll smoke if you offer me one, but I don't really have any cravings for it. I could, I could put it down. I don't care. You know, I don't have a desire to get messed up. Like I used to, when I was younger, when I was depressed, you know, I didn't have, I wish I would have known what I know now today. This is why I'm having these discussions. I've been, why I've been up here talking for almost an hour now about the simple fact that, okay, we're going through this, this book, Drugs in the Making of the Modern World. What are the solutions? One solution is um, information, telling the kids like, hey, let's let's help you get a good foundation, let your brain develop and grow. Because trust me, when you get, you'll have plenty of time to party, girl, and you'll have plenty of time. Trust me, you'll still have fun. Let's get your foundation good so you can enjoy the rest of your life. You know, a little bit of sacrifice now, long, long run of fun, but we got to put the foundation first down. A little bit of hard work now, and then you can have years and years and decades of fun. That would be my first discussion with people who are like, well, what can we do to fix this problem? Preventative. Like, wait. Enjoy your life. Take care of your brain. Take care of your body. It'll take care of you. I'm telling you. Preventative help. Getting the proper nutrition. Getting the right information. Giving them the truth. The fact. The people that use these drugs aren't all bad. They just need help. They need assistance. They need guidance. They need love, compassion, patience, and understanding. So we tell these kids, like, they're not bad people. They just need some help. And you can you can help them. And you can prevent this. So I would say wait as long as possible before you imbibe, if that's your goal. Wait as long as possible. Um, wouldn't encourage you to do it. Learn work ethic. Learn that this is a reward. These things that you do, they are a reward for hard work. Like, if you want to use these things, make sure you spent a good amount of time working your butt off. Like, what did you accomplish today? Like, did you make up your bed? Did you do all your homework? Did you do all your chores? Um, are you respecting authority? Are you working a job? Are you respecting your boss? Are you taking care of your customers? Are you taking care of your community? Are you taking care of the animals? I could see you going off and getting drunk with your friends if you actually accomplish something else too, this goes to me too. I'm talking to myself, talking to myself. So yeah, just letting you know, like it's a reward for hard work. It's not like, or I guess you could say even coping from hard work. It's a way to cope. It is what it is. Just got to put it out there. Okay. So we have that argument as well. So understanding the purposes, the functions, some of these are medicinal, medicinal. I can't talk, forget it. It's like, if you have physical ailments and chemical things and balances, some of these things do help you balance them out. I'm not a doctor, but you should talk to your doctor, listen to your doctor and figure out what works for you, why it works, why it doesn't. And also, yeah, your morality. Why are you doing these things? Why do you feel it necessary to be doped up or drugged up? Or what are you trying to accomplish? Are you just trying to like, I want to feel good? Be honest about it. I'm depressed. Be honest about it. 
Um, my boyfriend makes me. Oh, that's a concern. We need to talk about that one. Um, I have no choice. I'm being forced to do it. That's a concern. We need to talk about that. But if you're just like, I just want to hang out and have a good time, I can respect that. As long as you're not hurting other people and forcing them and taking other people's stuff, this is where we need to have a discussion to find the middle ground. Okay, so more pot potential solutions. After you, hopefully, if you can get people's bodies feeling better, they'll be less inclined. More support, like people need more support. People who are depressed and helpless, single mothers, all of that stuff needs to be taken into account. The veterans, oh gosh, we're we've we've dropped the ball. The people who have fought in these wars have helped protect and defend our freedoms. Like it's very frustrating hearing about what they've seen, what they've witnessed, and the treatments options that they're not getting. Because I'm as I've done more research, I read one book. The body keeps the score. They've got so many different treatment methods that I'd never even heard of that people haven't even heard of that they're not even using. I've been reading about different types of supplements and herbs that are specifically designed to help heal the brain. Like I'm researching that stuff right now, trying to get the information out to people who've never heard of these things. And I'm like, yeah, there are things out there, treatment plans that help to heal the brain from trauma and different treatments and therapies. So again, with present reality, we're trying to get these connections and these networks of people like, instead of choosing these drugs and living like this, we can help potentially help heal the brain and get you through counseling. So we can see less of the violence, less of the crime, less of the overdosing, less of the suicides. Prayerfully, again, potential solution. We don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but definitely, Want to talk about another important contributing factor? The, the problem with fatherless homes. We need to bring better parental home structures. There's too many. And again, I, it's painful for me to say this as a woman because I've been burned. You know, you've, you've all heard those stories. But like, it's true though, though, like, despite my feelings, anyone else's feelings, we still need the fathers in the homes. That's like, should be huge priority. Fathers in the households, we absolutely need them. And this is one of the issues that we need to talk about, mentorship, preventing, preventing um, families from breaking up, preventing, um, you know, we need to stop, we need to teach young men and fathers to be fathers and to help their kids. Like, because a lot of the problems essentially stem from fatherless homes. So I think I'm going to wrap it up, honestly. So I guess essentially in closing, for Social Causes Fridays, I've been your host, that girl, Jenny Kirastoa. It is, I'm not even sure of the date anymore. Is it today? It is actually the 15th. But it is Friday, July 15th, 2022. At any point in time, you're consuming this content and you've listened this far. I appreciate that. I could only hope you're doing well. We're having these discussions to help bridge the gap between society of people of very, very hardworking members of society who want to maintain safety, the rules, and the well-being of everyone, and the other people who have been, who have been disenfranchised, who have been forgotten about, who've been swept under the, under the rug, who've fallen through the cracks. We need to find someone or something or solutions to fill in the gap. I remember back in the day, I don't know if anyone remembers those Gap commercials. Gap was really big when I was a kid. There's one commercial, I remember them singing, there was a little jingle. There was two commercials. One, the guy was saying Forever Young. I remember him like kind of a, a hip hop beat, 
and there, there was these kids. And I remember the camera zoomed in on one kid's face and she just kind of like smiled. And the guy in the background was, again, he's kind of a black boy's hip hop singing. He was just like forever young. And then there was another one where it was like, fall into the gap, fall into the gap. Does anyone remember those jingles? Fall into the gap. Dude, I'm about that life, yo. Fall into this gap. Like we got to fill in these, let's fix these problems. Too many people are falling through and we're forgetting about them. And I understand work ethic and people like, well, I earned this and I work for this and these people have it. And I'm at the point where who cares? We're all suffering now. We're all in this together. Like I literally mean that we're all in this together and we better figure it out together quickly or everyone's going to suffer. You've been warned. So anyways, I've been your host, that girl, Jenna Kira. So 